VoiceAmerica.com. Welcome to Positive Living, the program that brings you practical and inspiring principles for living more authentic, engaging, and passionate lives. Created by Patricia Raskin, a catalyst for positive change. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this program are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. Now, with Positive Living, here's Patricia Raskin. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to Positive Living. I'm Patricia Raskin. It's always an honor and a pleasure to be with you each week on Positive Living. Uh, this is my seventh year of doing this program right here on Voice America, and it's really amazing how the Internet has grown, folks. I mean, when I started, there were maybe 10 or 15 shows. Now there are 200. And it's just a wonderful opportunity for people to get positive media, to learn and to be inspired, and to really improve the quality of their lives. And my program is all about turning your problems into solutions and your obstacles into opportunities and making your dreams come true. And certainly today is no exception in that. Um, just to let you know that you can always write to me, Patricia, at PatriciaRaskin.com. Uh, I have a blog and I have a newsletter, and I'm always very happy to hear from you about show ideas or your comments about positive living. I'd certainly uh, enjoy that. Today we are talking to a gentleman who has been at this He's been a pioneer, from one pioneer to another, but he's been a pioneer in health. I've known Dr. John Travis for probably 25 years, I think, but it's about that time, and he's been doing work of wellness and talking about prevention for probably 30 years, and he wrote one of the greatest books on wellness that I have ever read. So beside all of my personal comments about John Travis, he's an MD and Masters in Public Health who founded the first wellness center in the United States in 1975. He's continued to expand the scope of wellness for over 30 years. He's the co-author of several books, including the Wellness Workbook, now in its third edition, which I used when I taught classes in the 80s, and Wellness for Helping Professionals, Creating Compassionate Cultures, as well as other books. And we're talking today about how disconnection shows up in our culture through depression, violence, addiction, chronic illness, fundamentalist, fundamentalism, and what can we do about that? How we can take that disconnect and turn it into connect. Welcome, Jack Travis. Thank you, Patricia. Yes, it's been a long time we've followed each other over the, the trail. Yeah, yep, I think it's really was the early 80s, I think. So it's mm-hmm. been about 25 years. Yep, I heard you speak in, at a place uh, in Boston, and I have to remember the name of it, but I will. And it was, a, it was a learning center, and I was so impressed. I remember that so well. And then I worked with your book, and I taught some classes using the Wellness Workbook. And I want to put in a plug for this. The Wellness Workbook is one of the most well-written books on wellness. It is so clear and so easy to understand and so well done. It's now in its third edition. So, folks, really look up the Wellness Workbook. Okay, Jack, after all these many years of doing this, 30 years later, what is the key to wellness? Well, I discovered it all boils down to one word, connection. Yeah. And I, I like to say the currency of wellness is connection. And that currency is actually measured in units called attention units. And we talk about paying attention. It really does reveal the importance of it as a currency that the presence a person has, the present you give another person with your presence, mm-hmm. is a form of paying attention. Mm-hmm. And it's that connection that occurs in the limbic part of our brains. I I learned early on to go into my head as a way of avoiding the the painful uh, um, re- 
realities of childhood in the 40s and 50s and some of the things that we'll talk about later that are are the norm still of how to raise children in Western culture that are mm-hmm. are not very healthy and put me up in my head where I created a little safe world of my own. But when I read a wonderful book called A General Theory of Love back in 2000, was on the New York Times bestseller list for quite a while, it gave me a full appreciation of the limbic system, the, the uh, part of our brain, the mammalian brain, where we experience other people and we experience connection, and mm-hmm. that's what's so crucial in our. So, what's happened, Jack? I mean, what what's happened? Why you know? Because if you go back a hundred years or more than that, we all we had connection. You know, people lived close to each other. They didn't have cars. They had horses and buggies. And neighbors took care of each other. You had extended family. I mean, you you, you don't have that today. What happened? Well, a lot of things, uh, a lot of it is greed and materialism and the, the glitter of uh, technology from the Industrial Revolution, which destroyed um, life on the commons. Actually, the fencing of the commons in Europe was a major uh, downturn where people used to share common pasture land, and it was public. And then the upper classes started fencing it in and forcing people into poverty. And then when Mm -hmm. factories came along that you had to work in, become a wage slave, it really became a form of slavery. And then with the mobility that we saw in the United States and people leaving farms and going to cities and leaving family behind and just a gradual progression of separation from the connectedness of a tribe, a village, an extended family that humans evolved to need. And it's been probably the most destructive experiment that human species have ever done on themselves. So if we look at today, you know, 2008, and we look at wellness and illness, now we are, our country is rampantly filled with diabetes, heart disease, um, lots of arthritis, uh, digestive issues, lots of um, headaches, lots of pain, lots of chronic pain. And a lot of these things are stress-related. Talk about uh, what's happened and why that's all happened. Well, again, it's related to connection, the lack of it, that when people feel alone and disconnected and they're stressed, levels are high and the, the fear response that was designed to get us out of trouble in an emergency, the fight, flight, or freeze response, is very useful when you're confronting a saber-toothed tiger, but it's not when you have a boss that's on your case or you've got economic pressures, too many mouths to feed, or any number of mm-hmm. the stresses of urban life, mm-hmm. and that takes its toll on our bodies. Well, you know, Jack, here's a comment. I mean, you have been able to sort of carve out your niche for many years, not in traditional medicine, I mean, and I, I know the word traditional uses different ways, but not so much in allopathic medicine, but in prevention. And you've been a pioneer and an entrepreneur for years. So you've been able to really go at your own pace. You've been able to take the time you've needed. You've been able to really structure your own path, so to speak. What do you say, Jack, to people who are in jobs who are in the rat race, who are driving every day, who have bosses that are difficult, um, you know, who have to keep up and, and, and engage in these behaviors. What do you say to them? Wow, you don't ask easy questions. No, I never have. <laughs> um, 
the, the crucial thing is what do you really want in your life and what can you do to get it? And in many cases, yeah. people are so locked into the materialism experience. Like my wife and I have lived on poverty-level income for many years by embracing what was called uh, voluntary simplicity back in the, in the late 70s. Um, Dwayne Elgin wrote a book by that name. And I realized how much of normal stuff I really don't need. And um, by living simply and living in community, which I've done much of my life, where you share resources uh, and you get out of the high-priced rat race, uh, there are many ways of reducing our overhead. The, the fact at one point the uh, voluntary simplicity or what was the term they used, the people wrote your money or your life, mm-hmm. um, that book was great seller and gave people a lot of encouragement and ideas and structure for becoming what they called FI or financially independent, where they mm-hmm. would basically live on 20000 a year uh, that they would invest by uh, earning for a number of years to save enough to invest okay. in, and they could do what they wanted. Okay, but what if there are people out there that don't want to live on that level, and they do have money, and they've done well, what are some things that we can do in our life to at least move toward wellness? Well, I think a crucial thing is recognizing what's working in your life and what isn't. And um, toward that end, the wellness workbook, and then we computerized the, the questionnaire that's in it called the wellness inventory, which takes you step by step through 120 questions it's online, and uh, it allows you to look at each of the 12 areas that the workbook is structured mm-hmm. around. The where where would people find that, Jack? Where, um, where would they? It's uh, do, 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 uh, the one I use is different because it's for clients. Uh, it caught me off guard. I'll tell you in a minute. Okay. Well, we, do, we can cover that after the break. That is a, I have taken that years ago, but that's a wonderful wellness inventory, and it's, it's really complete. I'm sure you've updated it over the years, too. Yes, it's in constant revision. And, uh, Jack, let me ask you this. When you look at these, and I'm sure you've seen hundreds and thousands of these inventories, what would you say is the major area that people are weak in? Like if you were to say, okay, we're, you know, we're doing these 12 or 20 areas, where do most of our, of our folks fall short? Is it, is it food? Is it exercise? Is it thinking? Is it sleep? What do you think? Well, it shows up in the data that we've collected as in breathing and moving are the two lowest areas across the board. Hmm. And, uh, uh, breathing is, and moving, meaning we're not taking deep enough breaths when we breathe? That's a lot of it. Uh, shallow, jerky breaths and... Uh, general uh, anxiety that causes our breathing to be unconscious. Uh-huh. Um, breathing polluted air doesn't help either. And a lot of places people live yeah. that's a big problem. Um, and you said the other area was moving. So moving. that means exercise. Exercise, uh, fitness, stretching, all of the different areas of uh, movement. Uh, we go into it in a lot more detail in the questionnaire. What would you say um, are the stronger, the higher areas where people seem to do better in most well, cases? In many cases, uh, it's playing and working, thinking, mm-hmm. uh, eating as either really good or really bad, mm-hmm. uh, sensing, um, 
for people that have looked at themselves somewhat, uh, finding meaning and transcending intimacy, communicating or other areas. Some people, you know, are really good in one area and not so good in another. Mm-hmm. But it's um, uniformly the moving and breathing are the lowest ones. Interesting. We're just not, and, and yet, and yet, Jack, yoga, which is based on breath, is so popular now. Mm-hmm. It used to be, you know, one of those things that was kind of out there. And now, I mean, people say yoga like they say, I'm going to exercise class. So don't you think people are becoming more conscious about the breath? Well, I hope so. But you're not sure, yeah. You know, uh, the things that we see in our kind of um, uh, isolated, well, we're not exactly mainstream, you and I. Yeah. <laughs> we live in a different world. Yeah. And uh, I, I have to uh, read the media sometimes to realize how bad things are. Yeah. But um, uh, certainly the trend, I mean, we had to spell the word wellness back in the 70s. And yes, yoga, would, they look at you funny. I know that. Um, and I, I finally got past my mental block here. It's wellnessinventory.net. <laughs> Good. All right. Well, wellnessinventory.net. On that note, we're going to take a break and come right back with John Travis, who founded the MD, MPH, who founded the first wellness center in the U.S. in 1975 and has continued to expand the scope of wellness for over 30 years. Folks, you're listening to Positive Living. I'm Patricia Raskin. Stay tuned. There's plenty more. We'll be right back. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Here's a show for baseball players, coaches, parents, and those who love the game. At least 90% of sports success, including baseball, requires mental strength in order to fully benefit from technical ability. And the higher the competition level, the more critical it becomes to possess mental muscle. Tune in every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific time to Championship Thinking, hosted by Jim Meyer and brought to you by the National High School Baseball Coaches Association. Jim, sports psychology coach, trainer, and author of numerous articles and the workbook, Championship Thinking, Building Mental Muscle in Baseball, simplifies the mental game with Easy to understand tools and tips. With his weekly guest, Jim draws from successes with professionals, college, high school, and youth teams, coaches, and players. Learn how to remain confident and focused at crunch time when pressure, tension, and anxiety like to make an uninvited appearance. Tune in and tune up your mental and technical knowledge and skills with Championship Thinking every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time right here on America's Voice, Voice America. Hey, Dad. What? I can't get the ketchup bottle open. Here, let me try. Here you go. Thanks. You don't have to be a hero to be a hero. When you adopt a child from foster care, just being there makes all the difference. To learn more, call 1-888-200-4005. A public service announcement brought to you by Adopt US Kids, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, and the Ad Council. Had an accident? The people you may encounter may be attorneys, doctors, and insurance agents. How do you protect yourself and your family? Tune into Meeting by Accident with attorney Tom Woodruff, an experienced trial attorney and former legislator. Attorney Woodruff and his expert guests assist and inform on what to do in a crisis, what steps to take, what to avoid, and most important, what you need to know to get through the process. 
Meeting by Accident broadcasts every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America channel. Because being informed makes all the difference. Tune into Meeting by Accident with attorney Tom Woodruff. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Hi, everybody. We are back. You are listening to Positive Living, and I'm Patricia Raskin right here on VoiceAmerica.com. You know, this program is about turning your problems into solutions, your obstacles into opportunities. It's about getting the support you need. It's about connection. It's about making your dreams come true. And I was just talking to my wonderful guest, who I have known for 25 years now, and we were talking about how we both started in this whole field of wellness many, many, many years ago and how now it's really caught on and and it's very popular and it's so wonderful that people really see that we can live a healthy life and a, a very happy life. And we're a little bit ahead of our time, Jack Travis. My guest is Dr. John Travis, MD, MPH, who founded the first wellness center in the U.S. in 1975 and has continued to expand the scope of wellness for over 30 years. He is co-author of several books, including the Wellness Workbook, which is a wonderful workbook. I used it when I taught courses, and it's now in its third edition and the Wellness for Helping Professionals Creating Compassionate Cultures. And I used that book when I taught another course. And we're talking about how to turn disconnection in our culture to connection. Welcome back, Jack. Yes. All right. I know. It's really exciting to talk about all this. Um, we were talking about the difference between illness and wellness. And basically what you said was the real difference is connection. That's the real difference. What are the symptoms of unwellness? Well, uh, just to back up a second on the differences between illness and wellness, there's a, a, a very important concept that I illustrated with a graphic, and unfortunately I can't put a picture of it up, but it's right. called the illness-wellness continuum that has a neutral point in the center, and going to the left there's an arrow that shows progressively worse illness leading to premature death, and going to the right is up all the way to high-level wellness through education, awareness, and growth. And what I discovered back in the 70s, actually 72 was when I cooked this up, is that the treatment model works on illness. It's a paradigm of fixing things. But for wellness, you need a different paradigm, one of learning and about yourself, which I call the wellness paradigm. Mm-hmm. So it's the difference between fixing and learning, and not that they're interchangeable, because if you've got a problem that needs fixing, it's important to attend to it. And in many cases, allopathic medicine can do good things. Uh, you know, an automobile crash, I'm glad there's emergency rooms and good surgeons. I'm not convinced that most of the drugs that are out there today are really doing any good. They're just masking symptoms until something pops up uh, else. You know, if you suppress one symptom, it'll pop up somewhere else. Mm-hmm. But to answer your, your later question of what are the symptoms of unwellness or disconnection, I see them as the the triad of depression, addiction, and violence, which was worked out by a man named James Prescott in the 70s at NIH. And then I think chronic illness shows up as a result. Fundamentalism, which is black and white thinking of my way or the highway. Mm -hmm. Materialism and greed, which is running the world right now, and I think has taken hold in China as well. Um, Then ecocide, the destruction of our environment, you know, destroying our own nest, 
And it can only be done by someone who isn't connected. It doesn't recognize this as our nest. And my favorite one, uh, the area that I've been working in the most lately, is male postpartum abandonment syndrome. Hmm. And what is that, Jack? Well, it's an outcome of... I wrote an article some years ago, now turning it into a book called Why Men Leave, the Epidemic of Disappearing Dads, which came from my own experience. When my first daughter was born, by the time she was two, I was suicidal and finding I just couldn't be in this marriage that wasn't that good to begin with, but Mm -hmm. we thought having a baby will make it okay or, you know, Mm -hmm. either that or divorce, and divorce wasn't an option for my, in my family in the 70s. So what it is is the underlying woundedness that I experienced came back and was in my face seeing an infant uh, with these same needs that weren't met for me when I was little and actually seeing them being met. It triggered all this stuff. It got me into therapy. It was a great growth experience uh, for both of us, but it was extremely painful and led to the dissolution of that marriage. And then 21 years later when I decided try again and have another child after assuming I was never going to do that again. Um, Then I learned about connection parenting, attachment parenting, a whole different way of treating children where you treat them like mammals, a novel idea, where you sleep with them, you carry them, you uh, are in constant contact with them, Um, they're fed on demand rather than by schedule on bottles, how I was fed, and when I realized that, hey, this is a whole different way of avoiding the estrangement and disconnection that most of our culture mm-hmm. is walking around with and doesn't even recognize, it's still, I experienced the same thing again. And well, let, me ask you, let me ask you, Jack, when you were talking about that, when you were talking about, you know, carrying the baby around and feeding on demand, in a way, isn't that what animals do until yeah. they get to a certain point? That's a mammalian requirement for normal development, neurologic development, and you get altered brains. You get actual brain damage when you treat babies like we've been encouraging for the last 50 years or so Mm. or longer of forcing them into schedules, making them sleep alone, which is cruelty. It's it's child abuse. So Uh, you think that children should sleep with their parents when they're small? Oh, clearly, yes. Uh, no other species separates their babies from their adults. Interesting. So. For how long, Jack? As long as it's comfortable for both the kid and the parents. In many cases, uh, kids used to sleep together when they got older, you know, and uh, we thought it was because they didn't have enough beds to go around, but I think there were other reasons as well. And No other species sleep solitarily. It's just it's not mammalian, and we're mammals. Very interesting. What about what about though? I do have to ask you because I'm 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 hearing this in my voice. What about the whole physical and sexual component about that as the child gets older? Well, I think a lot of the uh, sexual abuse occurs because basic touch needs weren't met as infants. I and see. So it gets translated into perverse sexual inappropriate stuff. Mm-hmm. It's not a sexual thing at all to sleep with a baby, and it's very much a love-bonded oxytocin. It's the hormone, the love hormone. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when that's deprived in a human being, when they are walking around hungry for this touch and connection they didn't get, and the only way they think they can get it as an adult is through sex, then you have a, a distortion, a perversion of a, a normal human yeah. desire for connection that wasn't met. Mm-hmm. What are some other things 
that people can do. Now, that's one that, you know, is a little bit different. We think about that as different. What about um, in raising our children and in our lives? Talk about food. Food is just so, Jack, it's such a controversy. You know, from low carb to high carb to no carb. You know, I mean, people's high fat, low fat. I mean, what, what do you think? Well, I think that's a huge subject, and it's not one that I'm a, a firm believer in any particular approach. I'm, I have never had food issues, fortunately, uh, in terms of weight. Uh, but in terms of health? Uh, the closer you can eat to the, um, the way the food grew, and the lower on the food chain and the less toxic, the better. I mean, all of these mm-hmm. things are common sense, and our grandparents did it automatically. But the standard American diet, or SAD is the acronym for it, um, that is the biggest problem we've got going in, in nutrition is the horrible things that people eat, all the packaged foods, the additives, the chemicals, mm-hmm. everything that's in our diet that um, is so... Toxic, and yeah. we accept it as normal. Let's ah. let's let's flip to some good news, though, because now you've been in this again since 1975. You obviously have seen some improvements over 30 years. What's the biggest thing that you've seen in terms of positive growth in the area of wellness? Well, I thought we were still on food, so I'll, I'll stay with that one first. The uh, uh, the rise of the organic food movement for yes. Walmart to actually. Uh, get into the organic food thing. They must have thought there was some money to be made there. And I'm mm. not a Walmart shopper, so I don't know where that's gone, but a year or so ago it was big news, and what would it do to the, the little guy? But um, the, another important thing, where I live in Australia, in a little town that's in a very uh, agriculturally rich area, except that it's coffee, sugar, be- uh, sugar cane, and bananas, mm-hmm. sort of like a third-world uh, nation, very rich, fertile, volcanic soils. But we're developing a local food movement to grow our own food. And the number of food miles are actually in our local store. They show how many miles the food came. So you realize that this food has come 1,500 miles. And as the cost of transportation gets higher, this is going to become more and more important. Mm -hmm. So I think that the shift back to a, a healthy diet is a very encouraging experience that we're seeing. Uh, across the board in uh, in Western um, developed nations, and we're going to see more and more of it with the high cost of transportation, which has created this crazy system of moving stuff yeah. yeah, which is going to right, which is going to force people, particularly with the high gas mm-hmm. prices, to live off the land more. In a sense, it's almost going back in time, isn't it, Jack? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Back in, to in balance with uh, the nature around us. Okay. Now, you've asked about other big movements, of course. The one that took me by surprise uh, that I didn't expect to see happen was the uh, reduction in smoking in the late yes. 70s. Yes. That was the most encouraging thing because I used to run stop smoking clinics in the early 70s and never thought it would take hold like it did. Mm-hmm. I think the underlying issue of depression, which is uh, smoking as an antidepressant, that the, the last... Uh, uh, 20% or so of, of people who are addicted to nicotine, unless we address the underlying issue of depression. And that's probably the 
biggest issue that we don't look at, we don't it's, recognize is... Is the depression. Is depression. And All right, let, we, we're going to take a break on that, but we're going to come back and talk about that. We're okay. going to talk about depression and how, how we can go from that disconnect and that unwellness to wellness, particularly in that area. All right, my guest today is Dr. John Travis, MD, MPH, who founded the first wellness center in the United States in 1975. He's continued to expand the scope of wellness for over 30 years. He was one of the, really the pioneers in wellness. He's co-authored several, co-authored several books, including the Wellness Workbook, now in its third edition, and Wellness for Helping Professionals, Creating Compassionate Cultures. And we're talking about going from disconnect and unhealth to connect and to health. You're listening to Positive Living. If you're listening live today, which is the 25th of August, uh, between 2 and 3 p.m. Eastern and 11 and noon Pacific, you can call us at 866-472-5788. I'm Patricia Raskin for Positive Living. Stay tuned, folks. There's plenty more. We'll be right back. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Wine and Women is not your boring wine geek show. It is rather a fresh, fast-paced approach featuring interesting stories and entertaining segments about wine and wine-related topics through a warm and chatty format that will appeal especially to women, men optional. Hosted by wine connoisseurs and luxury lifestyle experts, Julie Brosterman, Lisa Kring, Sharon Borston, and Jeanette Oku, Wine and Women takes listeners to Napa, Sonoma, and other wine regions worldwide to meet the best as well as the newest winemakers, to restaurants to meet top chefs and sommeliers, to wine-themed spas, wine country getaways, even into supermarket wine aisles where Women and Wine Angels swoops down and helps shoppers to get their wine picks and more. Women in Wine broadcasts each Thursday at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America channel. Women in Wine, enjoying life one sip at a time. I can take care of myself. I can make a peanut butter sandwich. I can brush my teeth and I can give myself a bath. I can walk home alone from school. I can pick dinner from the trash behind the deli. I can watch the baby for the whole weekend. I can keep a baseball bat by my bed just in case there's trouble. Don't worry about me. I can take care of myself. If you're in jail, who'll be there to take care of your family? Something to think about before committing a gun crime. Gun crimes hit home. This message brought to you by Project Safe Neighborhoods and the Ad Council. Looking for a good time? We've got a show that will give you a wild ride. This show will make you feel good. And it's not even bad for you. You need your time to let loose. It's time for a feel-good party. Pull up to the computer, mix yourself a drink, and turn up the speakers. Happy Hour is here. Every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern. It's called the biggest radio show in the world. Hosted by international personality and pundit, Michael DeMarco. You don't know what's coming next. The biggest radio show in the world on Voice America. VoiceAmerica.com Hi, everyone. We are back. You are listening to Positive Living, and I'm Patricia Raskin. This is a program that shows you how to turn your obstacles into opportunities, your problems into solutions, 
and really help you overcome your daily challenges. That's what Positive Living aims to do. You can make an appointment with me, Patricia Raskin, every Monday between 2 and 3 p.m. Eastern and between 11 and noon, p- 11 and noon Pacific. And you can go right online to voiceamerica.com, and you have the power of listening anytime you want online. All these shows are archived. You can go to patriciaraskin.com and link to the Voice America site or go directly to voiceamerica.com. And please write to me, patricia at patriciaraskin.com. Join in my blog with your stories and questions and receive my e-newsletter. I would love to hear from you. And if you're listening live today, which is August 25th, um, you can give us a call at 866-472-5788. Today, it's, it's a real great pleasure um, to interview a friend and a colleague who I've known for over 25 years who is really a major force in making wellness happen in this country. He was one of the first, really one of the major firsts in 1975. My guest is Dr. John W. Travis, MD, MPH, who founded the first wellness center in the United States in 1975 and has continued to expand the scope of wellness for over 30 years. He's the co-author of several books, including the Wellness Workbook, now in its third edition, which I have used, and it's terrific, and Wellness for Helping Professionals, Creating Compassionate Cultures. We're talking about how do you turn disconnect into connect, how do you turn unwellness into wellness. Welcome back, John. Okay, let's talk about, let's talk about depression. It is just rampant in our country now, more than ever. The first, here are the questions to you. Why and what can we do about it? Well, the why is not exactly rocket science. When you look at how human beings evolved and what we were meant to be doing and what we do now for most of our day, it's a pretty depressing environment. Despite all of our materialist uh, uh, glitz, the sense of meaning and connection and disconnection, it, it's, well, depression is actually a pretty appropriate response uh, for a situation that's almost untenable for many, many people. There's three different ways you can deal with with uh, untenable situations: get depressed, uh, become addicted to substances, or mm-hmm. act out in violent ways. It's sort of the uh, um, uh, victim, persecutor, rescuer triangle of the drama triangle, and that's the symptom. But what's the underlying problem? Disconnection. And what do we do to change that? Learn. First of all, what it is and recognize it because most of us are completely naive and don't recognize, like the fish doesn't recognize water, the levels of disconnection that pass for normal in Western civilization. If you go to a a so-called primitive society, uh, you see that people have a sense of themselves, a connection with each other, a sense of who they are that's way beyond. I'm a friend who goes to Africa a lot and works with AIDS orphans. And on one hand, it's kind of pathetic that what's happened to all of these children living alone, but what she's learned is that there is a level of connection among these people that puts anything she's experienced uh, to shame. Mm-hmm. And we have as much to learn from them as they from us. And I didn't get that until I, I haven't been there, but I've seen pictures and heard her talk about it. And uh, it's astounding what we don't see right under our noses. So the first step is to recognize it. You know, the truth will set you free, but first it may tick you off. And we're at that stage still in denial a lot. But once we recognize it, then there's a lot we can do about it. And 
All right. Give us some um, give us some tips, Jack. Well, as I said earlier, the many areas that are covered in the wellness workbook and the wellness inventory that ask you to inventory yourself. You go through and you answer 120 questions and give yourself a ranking, and then you also ask how happy you are with the answer. If you have a low score but you don't care, that's not a real uh, high priority as opposed to something you've got a low score and you're really worried about. Mm -hmm. That then helps you generate a a checklist of what things you want to look at and to build a wellness plan. Mm -hmm. So look, taking inventory first at what's working, what's not working in our life, and it also shows you a list of the things that are working well. Um, then deciding what you want to do about it and doing it in small steps. That small changes is really where it's at. So many times people will make grandiose plans to mm-hmm. change this, that, and the other thing, and after a week they can't stand it anymore and they just crash and burn and that's the end of it. Mm-hmm. But it's the small steps that make the difference. Mm-hmm. So if somebody listening to this program really is feeling down and, and out and just, you know, that sort of hopeless feeling is one of the first things you'd say to them, you know, go talk to somebody or get some support, have you in contact? Definitely. And often I know because I go there myself, depression's been an issue I've struggled with since infancy. And when you're feeling like that, uh, I know that that's what I should do, but getting myself to do it, not very often happens. Um, that's where it's crucial to have someone who's a committed listener, someone who's committed to your commitments and can help you out when you're too far down to recognize. That John, what do you think about medication? I mean, we talk about often serotonin uptake inhibitors. We talk about brain chemistry. What's your feeling about that? Well, it certainly can work. Uh, the the degree to which it works, some of the original studies on which they got licenses for those drugs were so bad that they basically weren't any better than placebo. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think the power of placebo is incredible, that they're precursors of amino acids that will also increase your serotonin. Mm-hmm. And there's certainly a time and place for intervening with a Band-Aid that will get you running again. But the underlying issue of why are you depressed uh, that doesn't get addressed by drugs, but often it can, they, if they can help get you to a place where you can address them, got it. then you've got a chance. But mm. to just think that there's a pill for every ill, that hasn't been shown to work in the long run. Mm. Speaking of which, let's go to doctors. What can doctors do for your wellness? Not much. <laughs> That's the misconception. Doctors are very good at fixing things. And that's why I'm glad we have them. But in terms of wellness, very few doctors even understand what it is and get the difference between an educational model and a fixing model. Hmm. So that's the mistake so many people make is thinking that if they go to the doctor and they get a clean bill of health, they're well. Well, they're not sick, but they're not well. Hmm. And it's not an area that I was trained in or any doctors I know were trained in. And, in fact, because we're so geared to fixing, it's hard for us to even comprehend what it would be like. What do you think is the single most important public health measure that we could take to increase wellness? I think it would be to carry our babies, to sleep with them and to feed them and treat them like the little mammals they are. Hmm. That single action 
could change the face of our culture. And the fact that we have done not done that, that we've isolated them and treated them like birds treat their infants, leave them in the nest and come feed them every now and then, uh, that's not, we're not reptile or, or birds. We're, we're mammals. We require this touch with this constant stimulation. The movement of being rocked and carried, because think about those first nine months when you're in the womb, you're, you're being constantly jostled, you're hearing the voice of your mother and the voices of people nearby, all of this environment, and you're suddenly plunged out into a, a cold air environment, and then to be isolated is anathema to your nervous system, because the nervous system is unformed at birth, pretty, it's pretty plastic, and what it needs in order to develop properly is that constant contact and we've had that for millions of years of evolution and only in the last hundred years or so that we started taking it away more and more and we're seeing the consequences of that that's the source of the disconnection that's so rampant in our culture and leads to the depression addiction violence chronic illness fundamentalism materialism greed and ecocide and male postpartum abandonment syndrome In fact, there's a, a more generic term. I'm calling it normative attachment disorder. There's a DSM term, reactive attachment disorder, which is the severely detached child. But most of us are atta- detached far more than we realize, and it's recognizing that level of detachment and then doing something about it, which we're all trying to do unconsciously anyway. Um, that's why um, texting and cell phones are so popular with the younger generation, it's a way of connecting. There's all of these tools that we try to recreate that initial connection that we didn't get. Uh, why Americans are so uh, such joiners of clubs and uh, organizations. All of the things that we do to try to compensate for that primal disconnection that happened because of the way we were treated as infants. So if we treat the infants differently, we will have a different future. And the, the children are our future, you know. It's, it's really true. All right, we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to talk more about things that we can do to move toward wellness. What can we really do? I mean, we know all about wellness. We hear it every day in terms of exercising and diet and positive thinking, but it's it's even deeper than that. And my guest certainly knows he's been at this as long as anybody and probably really one of the first. My guest today is Dr. John W. Travis, MD, MPH, who founded the first wellness center in the United States in 1975 and has continued to expand the scope of wellness for over 30 years. And I've known him about 25 of those, and I, you know, was in there uh, not as long as John, but it's, it's just so exciting, the work that he's done. He's co-authored several books, including the Wellness Workbook, now in its third edition, and helping, and wellness for helping professionals creating compassionate cultures. There's plenty more, folks. Stay tuned. You're listening to Positive Living. I'm Patricia Raskin. We'll be right back. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. If you want to put the pep back in your step, Chad Lafferty's has just what you're looking for. Shake, shake, shake. 
Dance is life. Life is dance. It's only about dance. It's about moving through life with style, gaining awareness of the never-ending, ever-flowing movement that accompanies all of life's activities. Dance is life. Life is dance. Broadcast every Saturday morning at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Radio Network. Be sure to tune in and tap into the limitless healing that dance can provide. Can't stop now. Dad, can I ask you something? Sure. There's this girl I kind of like. Say no more. You just have to impress her. Okay, but how? Just, I don't know, pick up a lot of heavy things around her. Like what? You know, desks, chairs, people. Grunt if you have to. Grunt? Yeah, be like, oh! There you go. You don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. When you adopt a child from foster care, just being there makes all the difference. To learn more, call 1-888-200-4005. A public service announcement brought to you by Adopt US Kids, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, and the Ad Council. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com everybody we are back you are listening to positive living and i am patricia raskin right here on voiceamerica.com you know as i was saying we're talking about being in things from the beginning and pioneers my guest today was a pioneer in wellness and i was a pioneer in um really delivering the message through the media particularly in the internet because i started on voice america it's almost seven years ago now when the internet was just starting but I knew I wanted to deliver this kind of information globally, and that was the way to do it. And it was just in the beginning. I think they had maybe 10, 15, 20 shows then on Voice America. Now they have 200 or more. So it's, it's amazing how this has grown, and it's a wonderful vehicle to disseminate this kind of information. And my program, Positive Living, is about turning your challenges into opportunities and your problems into solutions. And really to help you overcome your daily challenges is just what Positive Living aims to do. And, you know, this is really, um, you can make an appointment with me to be here every week at Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific, or at your leisure, at your convenience online, voiceamerica.com or raskinresources.com, and that will take you right to my page on voiceamerica.com. So do email me, Patricia, at patriciaraskin.com or raskinresources.com. I answer to both, and I would love to write you back. Today we are talking to my friend and colleague, Dr. John Travis, MD, MPH, who founded the first wellness center in the United States in 1975 and has continued to expand the scope of wellness for over 30 years. And he's the co-author of several books, including The Wellness Workbook, now in his third edition, and Wellness for Helping Professionals, Creating Compassionate Cultures. Welcome back, John. Jack, I know we go by Jack now. Um, uh, with friends. Uh, John is the name on my material. So. Right, right. Um, tell us about the syndrome you were talking about and, and spell that out for us before we move on to really some, some good conclusions about Steps to Wellness. You call it male postpartum abandonment syndrome. Right, and it's pronounced impasse, uh, like impasse. And it's the phenomenon of disconnected boys uh, who are similar to girls, didn't get their needs met as infants, and who then grew up looking for the mother connection they never had. And if they're lucky, they find her and marry her, and they think everything's okay until the first baby comes along. And suddenly her needs and interests shift to the baby, and if assuming she has a similar level of disconnection, 
she's actually starting to heal it by the connection she has with the baby, both carrying it in her body and nursing it, which is a physical level of connection we men can never experience. And the more we see that, the more painful it is to have it right in our face. And unconsciously, what usually happens is we withdraw from it, and we psychologically leave or, in many cases, physically leave. There's a high percentage of men leaving shortly after the birth of a child. And I think this is why. I experienced it in my own first marriage with first daughter and nearly in my second marriage, despite knowing about it. So being aware of this phenomenon and both the, the husband and wife uh, is the first step. You know, forewarned is forearmed. Okay. So what is your prescription, Jack, in the last few minutes of the program? What do you want to say to our folks about really moving toward wellness? Well, it's learning how to get reconnected, and there's so many different approaches. I've been exploring it for a good 40 years. Um, Oprah Winfrey's doing it on uh, the Internet now with millions of people uh, using Eckhart Tolle and other people. So I love... uh, Byron Katie's work, and I just saw she's yeah. on the uh, Voice America homepage. Yeah. Um, fabulous work of an inquiry into what's really so, and uh, learning to to own our unconscious projections from the pain body that Eckhart Tolle describes so aptly that many of us carry, all of us carry around, that's often running our lives. If we become aware of it and start to um, compensate in other ways rather than than just allow it to run us. Uh, and there's so many ways. Uh, I can't begin to tell you. But. One of the things you talked about that I want uh, that I want to go back to is the beginning in terms of who really founded wellness. How did wellness really come on the scene? Yes, the, the man we have to credit, uh, the word wellness actually comes from the 1600s, but a, in the, a man named Halbert Dunn, who was a physician, and he actually ran the Bureau of Statistics for the U.S. government in, from the 40s through the 50s, uh, named Halbert Dunn. He lived in the Washington, D.C. area, and he gave a series of 29 talks around Washington, I think on the radio and in a church. I think he was in a church and they were broadcast. Those were collected together in a book called High Level Wellness that was published in 1961. I was a resident in preventive medicine at Johns Hopkins in 1970 through 73, and sometime in early 72, I stumbled across his book on the clearance table for $2. And I picked it up and took it home, and I started reading it. And best two dollars I ever spent. I still have that copy, and I was <laughs> reading through it the other day on the plane, and realized, boy, this guy was ahead of his time. Mm. And he spelled it out. Uh, interestingly, he was born about fifty miles from where I was in western rural Ohio. <laughs> and the, Did you meet him? Did you eventually meet him? I unfortunately didn't. I, if I had any idea when he died in seventy-five. And I thought wellness was a stupid word. It would never catch on. And when I opened the center, I thought it was going to be a little uh, two-person biofeedback uh, practice in California. Never dreamed that it would catch on, thanks to Don Ardell, who uh, wrote about it and went around the country talking about it. It did catch on. But at that point, I, I didn't fully appreciate who who he was and what he had done for me, and I regret it. Hmm. 
All right. So, again, in the few minutes we have left, what would you like to leave our listeners with today and also tell us about the inventory and how they can learn about your materials? Okay. Well, the inventory is at uh, wellnessinventory.net. But the the term that I'd like to introduce that is very new to me, I just uh, thought it up a few months ago, is full-spectrum wellness. And it brings together all of the areas that I've been interested in for 40 years now, uh, the body, mind, and emotions, our early life experiences and how they affect our health over our whole lifespan, our environment of family, friends, and community, our personal life, our work life, and the micro-environment of our internal mind chatter, the outer environment of the things we put on our body, in our body, uh, the spaces we put our body in, uh, the culture we live in, all these different areas uh, that affect the, the wellness of the whole planet, uh, they all come together for me under this term full-spectrum wellness. And I think it's finally, after spending the last 20 years doing mainly infant wellness, uh, it's given me a model for putting it all together in one big happy family. Hmm. All right, and again, closing thoughts for our listeners. Well, find out what really matters in your life, what's important, what's fun. If it isn't fun, it's probably not going to last. And take some risks, do things differently, uh, break out of the mold or the rut. And uh, honesty is really important, and by honesty I mean being honest about what you're feeling, not what your judgments and projections are onto other people, which often gets masquerades as, as honesty when it's really projecting your own discomfort onto other people. Mm-hmm. Being able to share when you're vulnerable, what's what's so for you when you're feeling scared, when you're feeling excited, happy, all of these things. Express your feelings. Yes, express them as I statements, not I feel you should. It's just a classic projection statement. And the more you explore that inner world and you're transparent with the goal of being, of connecting with people rather than controlling. And I was taught, you know, you communicate with the idea of getting what you want, which Mm -hmm. is a controlling model, and that doesn't usually work. If you communicate with the goal of connecting with the person you're communicating with and, and you let them express what they are feeling, then you can reach common ground and it doesn't become a tug of war over whose needs get met first. Hmm. All right, and again, if people want to get the wellness inventory. Uh, wellnessinventory.net, and uh, that's the uh, the public version of it there. Our, as a training program, you remember Bobby uh, in Asheville and now is doing the uh, coaching training for people to learn how to use it in their own practice, mm-hmm. and we have over 100 coaches worldwide. Who Isn't that trained. wonderful? All right. So, again, say the website again, please. Uh, well, the, the one I didn't mention is our website, thewellspring.com. It's important, the okay. wellspring, and wellnessinventory.net. Wellnessinventory.net and wellspring.com. Jack, thank you so much for being on the program. My pleasure. Yeah, it was wonderful. Stay on the line. It was wonderful. My guest today has been Dr. John Travis, MD, MPH, who founded the first wellness center in the United States in 1975. He's continued to expand his work for over 30 years in the area of wellness. So do log on to the websites, which is wellnessinventory.net. And what was the other one, Jack? 
thewellspring.com. Thewellspring.com. You've been listening to Positive Living, as I always say at the end of these program, folks. Stay healthy, stay happy, get the support you need. Know you can make your dreams come true, and email me, Patricia, at PatriciaRaskin.com. Until next time, for Positive Living, I'm Patricia Raskin. Have a wonderful Monday and a great week. Listening to Positive Living with Patricia Raskin, a catalyst for positive change. For an autographed copy of Patricia's book, Pathfindings, Seven Principles for Positive Living, log on to RaskinResources.com. And tune in next Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific for Positive Living, right here on VoiceAmerica.com.